0: Welcome to the Perfectly Flawed Podcast. On this podcast, I am your host, Renee Fox, and I chat to various people who are willing to be open and vulnerable about their own experiences with mental health and sport. Please keep in mind that the things discussed on this podcast are people's own experiences and is not medical advice. If anything in these episodes is triggering for you, or you feel like you need assistance, please contact a health professional or Lifeline on 13-11-14. Hey guys, and welcome back to another episode of the Perfectly Flawed podcast. In this episode, I'm actually joined by a friend of mine, Nathan. Nathan competed as a professional triathlete for several years. Nathan and I chat about his start in triathlon and his journey through his career before a shift in priorities. I met Nathan several years ago through our training together at the Casey Tiger Sharks Swim Club. He's a very hard worker, which led him to having a very successful career. We reflect on some of our hard sets and the good memories. Nathan talks about how even though triathlon is an individual sport, having people to train with makes a huge difference, as well as having a good social network around you. He talks about how there was a period where the anxiety before a race led him to throwing up, and a shift in mentality helped resolve that. Nathan was awesome to chat to, and even though I've known him for a few years, I still learn things from him in our chat. I hope you enjoy. Welcome to the Perfectly Flawed podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today. So for those that don't know you, would you like to give a bit of an overview of who
1: you are? So hey, Renee, thanks for having me on. Um, it's good to be here. I'm Nathan Bushkill. I'm a 28-year-old exercise physiologist from melbourne and i grew up doing the sport of triathlon since i was um a little teenager so going back a while now <clears throat> i was um probably about 12 12 or 13 i think when i first did the week kids triathlon and then i um sort of dived into a little bit of little little athletics from under 10s like most kids do i think being under 10s i was a bit of a late starter to the athletics world but um I guess, doing athletics and then my parents got me involved in swimming lessons. Cycling was only, only really that missing link. And at the time, my old man was doing triathlon. So, um, yeah, I kind of just followed in his footsteps and haven't really looked back since.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. How did you, like, obviously you started triathlon sort of around that 10 sort of age. How did you get into it? Like you mentioned that your dad's into it, but obviously, you know, now you're sort of late 20s. What's made you stick it out for so long? What is it that you love about it?
1: The thing I love most about triathlon is it's a sport where it challenges you to be better every day um, than you were the day before. And what I mean by that is um, even if it's just better at showing up, um, you know, like even if it's just better at getting up at 4.30am for a swimming session, as you might know, I think um, triathlon really shapes and sculpts you into quite a disciplined individual. And I think it teaches you a lot, I guess, some of the lessons that it teaches you can really reciprocate later on in life when, when you might be thrown in a challenging situation. And I think, um, I guess, triathlon exposes you to um, a lot of vulnerability. You know, you've got to swim, you've got to bike, you've got to run. And it's not a team sport yet. It's very much an individual sport. You're on your own out there. So I guess the point I'm trying to make is um it just really helps you become, I guess, quite a resilient and a disciplined individual. And and I think sticking at it for such a a long period of time throughout my teenage years and early twenties, I started to have a bit of success in sport when I was early twenties. And that was probably the most rewarding when I could see, you know, two, three, four years of really hard disciplined work with a great support network around me, slowly starting to pay off. Cause I wasn't, I wasn't a talented kid from a young age, I didn't have talented parents or anything, or I think I had pretty poor genetics, which is, a, I think, a fair enough assumption, um, just looking at our family background. So um, I'm not saying, you know, my parents aren't athletic, but, but they certainly weren't, weren't superstars, you know, like in, in the athletic world when they were kids. So, um, yeah, I think I was able to get to where I was, which is a result of hard work and discipline. And I'm, I'm sort of proud of how much it shaped me today.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think sport can teach you a lot of things that can transform into so many other areas of your life. I mean, I first met you through swimming at Tiger Sharks, so I do know a little bit about your training, but what does it sort of look like? You know, as you said, it does require a lot of discipline and you have to be self-motivated because you are on your own. What does training look like?
1: Yeah, I think um, if we talk a bit about the swimming, um, because it's probably going to resonate with you a lot, I guess, It involves so much discipline. So when I was training between the ages of 18 and 21, 22, that's when I really had a crack because I was studying and I chose not to sort of engage in any real work. Um, I was lucky to come from a supportive family at home that allowed me to do that. So so what the training involved was I think I was swimming six times a week because I came from a very poor background in athletics altogether. So... I swam six times a week. Um, I probably ran about six times a week as well. Um, And then I'd probably do four or five bike sessions and a couple of gym sessions as well. I wasn't overly um, active in the gym and probably I lacked a lot of strength. Um, And I, I guess I've learned that through my studies these days that strength is extremely important, especially in a sport such as swimming or triathlon in general. You've got to be strong. It just helps you with your recovery and your performance. But yeah, look, I had some massive training days when I was training very hard. It was, um, you know, a four forty-five AM alarm. Maybe sometimes even four thirty for a five thirty um, start in the water with with Ben um, back at the Tiger Sharks. And yeah, he was um, he was he was a great coach. He really looked after me and sort of took me under his wing. I was I think I was the only triathlete in the squad of um, national level swimmers. And yeah, it was two hours in the water. Um, anywhere from four to maybe 7K on, on, on a distance morning. And then after that, I'd either go to uni for the day and I'd be exhausted. And I didn't even used to drink coffee, which is funny back then. I don't know how I got through the day without having a coffee, but I've changed a lot since then. Um, <laughs> anyway, and then after uni, I'd come home and I'd probably go for a 30-minute a run um, or I'd do a session on some days, anywhere from 10 to 15K running. And then I might even just jump on the bike for an hour in the evening or do another swim session so um yeah it, it was just just a lot of work slept like a baby
0: <laughs> it is a lot of work because i mean i'm only coming from a swimming background so i just do the swimming component of that i don't add in the run or the cycling into that as well the swimming yeah. has me knackered there's no way in how you're going to get me to do something after that
1: yeah yeah it's um look it's it's in a way it's um somewhat different because um you guys are in the water twice a day. So I have a lot of respect for how much volume you guys were doing in the water. Like if I was to do that, I feel like my lats and my shoulders were just torn because um, I'd be so sore trying to back up a couple of days after hard swimming sessions, but over time it definitely got easier. But I found for me and my body having that different stimulus, whether it was running or cycling, whilst it was overall taxing and draining, you know, physiologically on the body, um, that I guess the change in stimulus from being in the water to um, going through more of a weight bearing activity, such as running, definitely helped.
0: Yeah, for sure. And, you know, the training is quite brutal. So on those days that are a bit tougher when your body's tired, it's getting sore, you got those niggles. What's sort of that inner monologue like for you? What's going through your head? How do you push through?
1: I think back when I was starting to get some really good momentum with it all, it was, um, the inner monologue for me was just show up and do your best. Um, I used to have, like, really high expectations of myself and that, that definitely made it challenging some days because if I wasn't able to meet a certain time in the water or if Ben was yelling at me because my 100 metres repeats were, you know, one second slower than what I needed to average, um, you know, in a triathlon swim, then, um, you know, like, it definitely gets to you. But I think um, just sort of resonating with yourself a little bit and having some acceptance on even if you're not able to do the times on your day, um, if you can still give your best, you know, and, and you know in your mind that you've, you've had a good crack, then I think it just helps you get through regardless because I was reading the other day a really good flow chart that your best every day of the week is going to be significantly different. But you just got to look at your best average because um, – best average over time is what is what's going to make the the biggest difference as opposed to comparing your best every day
0: yeah and like your best today can look completely different tomorrow like today it might be oh I hit all my times really well like that's awesome and tomorrow it might be just be you really saw and you still turned up and you still did everything that you could
1: 100 percent um and sometimes you might beat yourself up over it like I know I probably wasn't as mature back then as I was now like if I would show up and I beat myself up over being Ten seconds down, you know, in some of my reps, um, when it when I probably should have been saying to myself, "Look, I slept poorly last night. I had an assignment that was due. You know, I had all these other things happening in my life that mentally and emotionally may have drained me. So the fact that I still showed up, got it done, um, was my best on the day.
0: Yeah, and I think that is something that you know, as you get older, those sort of things start to pop in your mind, and it's not even just. I think sometimes we get caught up and say, oh, that's just an excuse for why I didn't perform well. It's not necessarily an excuse. It just means that this could have contributed to me not performing as well as what I would have liked.
1: hundred percent. Yeah. I think that's um, if you can look at it from that level of maturity, then I don't think you can really go wrong.
0: Yeah. Do you think that's something that you've purely learnt from age as if you've gotten older or do you think there's other things that you've done that sort of led to thinking about it in that way
1: I think definitely age I think when I was younger I think age and experience and I guess experience comes with age because you can have all the knowledge in the world but unless you're um you've had the experience and you've done your time you can't really connect the dots and it's it's the puzzle together so um I think you can never really stop learning and for me I was kind of blindsided by it all from a young age and I was just out there and I was like I just want to train hard I just want to enjoy it I love pushing myself if I'm tired I'm still just going to go hard I'm not really going to hold back when you know like obviously I'm passionate about this this topic so I've done my study in physiology and how the body works and um, I sort of practice that every day in my work so I think you know doing a masters and diving a bit deeper in my mid to or my mid 20s I should say sort of has helped me maybe realize some of those mindsets that I probably didn't I probably overlooked from a younger age
0: yeah and it's so easy to do like we get so caught up and we're always our own worst critic and yeah. I think being so in sport we're so goal orientated and so focused and we get a bit tunnel vision sometimes on what we want to achieve that we kind of forget everything else that's going on around us
1: one hundred percent. It's um. Sometimes I'm not so much sure about swimming, but I know triathlon. It can be a really selfish sport, and because some you can train anywhere up to six hours a day, and even more if you're you know if you're a long course athlete or if you're just at the top of your reign in short course triathlon, you can train a hell of a lot. So I think um, I think we tend to forget what's going on in the outside world, unfortunately, sometimes because um, it's not just your training. You know, it's your nutrition, it's your recovery post training. It's, it's the mindset of trying to get up again for the next session. It's, it's going to bed at night and thinking, geez, how am I going to get through Monday's distance session in the morning? Like I'm, I'm already nervous for it and I haven't even woken up and done it yet. And I think, um, yeah, when you take it seriously, it, it it really absorbs you, you know?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And you touched on nerves there, getting nervous before a session's even started. How have you dealt with nerves, either in a training sort of environment or for a competition? What do you sort of do to overcome them, or even utilize them to perform?
1: Yeah, um, it's a, that's a great question. I I've had a lot of different experiences, um, and I think even when I was at my best, I still used to get really, really nervous. But it was a, it was kind of like it was a different nervousness to what I would consider it like being too nervous to the point where it's affecting me um, because, you know, you, you want a little bit of anxiety. It's kind of um, like that inverted U hypothesis. I'm not sure if you've studied it, but you want that yeah. optimum <laughs> like, you know, arousal, I guess, where you're, you're in a little bit of an anxious state, but you're not too anxious. Um, and I think when I used to do triathlon um, as a professional at the start of my career, I, I used to just get blown away and I used to just be so nervous because I felt out of my depth. But I think finding the Tiger Sharks swimming um, squad and at the time as well, I was training with um, some of the best runners as well. Like I, I was nowhere near at their potential, but I was, um, I was running with some very good runners in, in Victoria and even Australia, and, and, that, and that really pulled me along as a triathlete. Um, and I think after a good two, three, four years of being in those training environments, I was actually rocking up to races and I wasn't even getting nervous because I was seeing in my sessions like, where, my, where my results were and I knew that um, those sort of performances would allow me to be somewhere towards the front if I had a good day. I could still be extremely, I guess, tight you know in, in the lead up, you know, I, I wouldn't want to um, miss a, an extra 30 minute nap during the day or I, I'd have my routine in terms of how that lead up might look. But I think my confidence was was really high because my training was reflective of my performance. But I can also go the other way because what happened recently was this is where it's an interesting question that you asked. So when I was about 25, so three years ago, I was still doing the sport. And I was and I started my master's um, and I kind of had a priority shift in my life where the master's was really heavy in terms of the amount of workload and study. And um, I guess I'm more of a practical learner. So I kind of I kind of found that somewhat challenging just going from um, an undergrad degree to a postgrad degree and then having like this huge amount of um workload, I guess, in in that in that course um, and really having to understand the body on a much deeper level. And then what I found because I shifted my focus towards my studies and somewhat away from my triathlon when I hit 25, I was still trying I was still rocking out to races as a professional and racing in that category. But I hadn't done the same amount of training and I was getting I was getting such bad anxiety to the point where I was um vomiting before races because I couldn't like stomach knowing that I just wasn't getting about to, be able to like, keep up and and mean in, in the, my mind my ego was kind of like come on like Nate you can you can still be up there but deep down inside I just hadn't done the work that I was doing you know three years ago I had I had really bad anxiety for a while There trying to race as a professional triathlete around 24 25 it was just a local competition which kind of crazy but I think it's just because I still took it pretty serious without doing the work. But then sort of after that season, I think the last season I might've done maybe 25, 26. um, I was just racing age group and I wasn't racing professional anymore. And I I was rocking up to races and I was saying to myself, I'm doing this sport because I love it now. I'm not doing it because I wanna try and chase anything more than that. So yeah. And then I didn't have any anxiety at all. I was, um, I was just able to rock up and just get out there and have fun. So you can see I've sort of been through, been through the ring from both sides, I guess.
0: Yeah, you've really gone from, really transitioned from one extreme to the other, really. Yeah. When you were getting that anxiety and you were quite sick before races, did you ever speak to anyone about it or was it something that you were able to manage on your own?
1: um i didn't speak to anyone about it i think i think i was really um, i was really quite aware of my environment and and how how my environment like kind of shaped that anxiety because the anxiety that that i had was purely just about wanting to get to the race and you know like either try and win it or or be up there um and i kind of couldn't say to myself if i don't that's not going to be good enough so i had very high performance expectations of myself um, And I think that came from the fact that I I was given great support from my parents and they sort of said, look, Nathan will support you um, in this sport, have a really good crack at it. And I didn't really consider a life without it until I started doing my master's and I kind of found that passion or I, I transitioned that passion away from the sport itself, still being in the sport, but, you know, towards studying, helping other people. So in terms of your questions, I know I've come away from it a little bit, but I didn't feel like I needed too much more support at the time because I was able to accept my transition away from the professional environment. If I still wanted to be in that professional environment, I think I would have seeked some support to get me through it despite everything else happening. But I kind of made that choice pretty quickly.
0: Yeah, and I could be completely wrong in saying this, but do you think in a way that when you're in sort of that professional environment, you're – identity was very much on your triathlon your sport your performance and sort of when you transition into doing your masters you could see that there's a life outside of sport and there was another passion like there's more to life than just sport
1: yeah yeah a hundred percent I think sport will always and even the sport of triathlon will always be something I will do but you know as like it's, it's with anyone you get to an age where you've got a you've got a thing for yourself that, you know, like you want to move on, whether that's um, investing in a house or a family or just um, having those other aspects of your life too. So, yeah, I was, my identity was very much (laughs) triathlon um, until 25. And then it sort of became probably, you know, 10% triathlon and then 90% prioritising what's most important. And what's going to allow me to succeed? Because because I knew that if I got through my masters and I I did well there, I, I could land a, a job and then be would be able to help people in my chosen field of exercise physiology.
0: Yeah. Do you think I'm so fascinated by this the transition into you know your identity being so involved in the sport that you so that you love so much into finding other areas of your life that you have passion in and other aspirations that you want what was that transition like and do you think that it literally just stemmed from doing your masters and doing that and then sort of going oh hey I actually really like this I can see this going further or was there other things sort of going on for you that sort of helped with that transition
1: yeah um I think I was lucky with the transition because because the field of study that I've done is still comes back to sport like in a way in a way, it, it's interrelated, you know, because, like, triathlon's going to affect your mindset and your physiology and your body, and and that's exactly what I've studied. So I think being able to tie the two together and make the transition easy easier. But when I initially stepped away um, from the competitive side of it, it was tough. I kind of felt like I lost my identity for a bit. Um, but I think all the experiences that I had and all the hardships that, I had, whether it was in training or defeat, just made me into like a really resilient person. Um, and it's kind of like because of um, that environment that I put myself in in the sport and I put myself out there, um, I feel like I had a pretty big brick wall that was already built. <laughs> so it's kind of like when, when I, I stepped away from it um, and certain things came into my life and started throwing bricks at me, it wasn't enough to knock me down. I'm not sure if this is a good analogy or not. What I'm trying <laughs> to say, but, um, does that does that kind of make sense? Like,
0: yeah, I mean, it makes sense to me. I hope it makes sense to everybody that's listening. But yeah, it makes sense to me.
1: Yeah. So, I think from that, a good learning curve would be that if you can put yourself in an environment from a young age and in a sport where you th- you can thrive and you can enjoy it and you can get the self satisfaction to know that you're doing the best you can. Um, and you got to separate everything else that's going on and just um, look at one thing at a time, then I think um, you can certainly build a great foundation for the future when um, you do need to tackle other aspects of your life too.
0: Yeah, for sure. And you touched on earlier about how whilst triathlon is very much an individual sport, you still had a lot of social support around you. How important is that?
1: Oh, yeah, it's... Um, it's everything because it makes in a way it takes the individual side away from the sport um, because some days like you just need to rock up to a session and see a mate and you know if you've got to, to get through because I was doing up to two hour long runs you know by myself with no music or I was doing some pretty tough sessions on the track um, and it, people are always going to have harder sessions so it just depends how what perspective you look at it from but um yeah, just to be able to see a mate or, or see a group and um, get through the session with a group, and sort of as you know in swimming you know, like it, it's an individual sport, but the team environment is really important too. Because um, for me, the tiger sharks and I'm not too sure on your experiences, Renee, but some of the boys really got around me, and I'm, I've I still speak to a few of them th- these days, and we tried to get around each other, you know, in the, those hard sessions, and I think. Unless you've been in a sport where, you know, you touch the wall and you're at 180 beats a minute and you're, you're on the ends of your limit, but you know you've got 25 100 meter repeats to go and you're coming in and you're having five seconds rest each rest, each repetition and you're just like, how could I possibly push out one more? I think having a great group of mates there yelling in your ear, having a coach saying, you know, just re- like really getting behind you gives you Something more, whether that's adrenaline or whether that's just um, that extra bit of will within you to keep going. So, yeah, from I guess the message there is the social side is probably one of the most important things because sometimes I would try and do a session of the same extent on my own and the times wouldn't be the same.
0: No, I 100% agree. And I think, I mean, I've been, <clears throat> excuse me, every squad I've been and I've been very fortunate where I have sort of had that support that you described where you know you're in the middle of a really tough set you feel like your lungs are going to explode and you can't possibly think of doing another one and you're only halfway through the set and it's like oh my god I can't I don't even know how I'm going to finish and having someone look over at you who looks just as knackered as you and just goes all right we'll just do one more together and you just keep saying that until you finish it there's just no better feeling than knowing that okay yes this sucks but everyone is struggling with me too like i'm not
1: the only one that's doing this mm, It 100 de- percent look it definitely takes that um that hardcore mental side of it away from you because you know you're not the only one i'm sure you'd agree with me that if you were up to the pool and you had to do one of those sessions that ben used to give us or and you had to do it on your own and you know you had no way out there was no coach there there was no friends there from a social point of view in, in the lane with you encouraging you if you got there and you were having a really crappy day, how hard would it be for you to to just keep pushing through? You know, you'd probably say, well, I might cut the set or you'd have to, like there'd be a time and a place where you'd have to be pretty resilient to to get through that intensity of training on your own.
0: Yeah. I've, I mean, I've done a few sessions on my own before and definitely do not hit the same times what I would when, have a coach or other swimmers there and I remember this one time I don't know if you were there for this session but I remember it so clearly for those that don't know swimming at the pool that we trained at there's a boom so you can go from 50 meters to 25 and for whatever reason the boom was not in the correct spot it was about a meter oh. off and we had hundreds so we we're swimming 104 meters instead
1: <laughs> and
0: yeah. we're trying to tell Ben the boom is wrong and he's like I don't care. You need to be hitting the same times, and our times were so off because we we're swimming that yeah. extra bit, and it was just brutal because we were still expected to do the same amount of time and yeah. we were swimming so much further. Which in like people are like, oh, it's like an extra meter each lap. Like, what's the big deal? It's massive.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um Oh, it's Ben used to give some tough sessions, and I guess, I guess, that's what it takes if you look at swimmers these days in in those national whether it's that like non-awarding or, or Melbourne Big Centre, you know, like those guys do crazy um, sets. But uh, I think my, some of my toughest ones, I remember with them we used to do six 800s on, um, I think it might've been 10 minutes, 20. So back then I couldn't average more than, I think I was I was able to average around one minute, 12, to say like a 1K, a 1K best effort. Um, so to do these reps, I have to be averaging around a minute 15 or so or so and then i would have to be punching at six of them so it was um the difference between your overall best effort and then four to five k of efforts at maybe like 90 95 percent of your best it was such a bloody um tough thing to get through and that was at 5 30 in the morning as well so um yeah it definitely makes you a better swimmer that's for sure
0: Yeah there's so many brutal sets and I remember we used to do doubles on Saturday I don't know if you ever did those but the doubles on Saturday the Saturday afternoon sessions were the worst session of the whole week.
1: (laughs) I remember Renee when I was really um training hard um I used to go for a 150k bike ride Saturday morning um and then I'd go for a maybe a 5k jog off the bike just to tick the legs over and get a little bit of extra running volume in for the week and um then I'd rock up on a Saturday Arvo, and I think sometimes we do like 30 or 4100's best effort and it might be like 30 beats below, 20 beats below or 10 beats below and then just like best average or yeah, it was, it was insane. And, you know, you do those 3100's after maybe three or 4k of work beforehand. It wasn't just a, a three to 4k session. It was six or 7k some days. So I remember being completely exhausted and sometimes Ben would be yelling at me and, yeah, just had nothing left in the tank.
0: Yeah, those sessions were honestly so hardcore. And we do like skipping like full like hour of like dry land yeah. before we even got in the water. They were like endless, those sessions, I swear.
1: Oh, it's, um, it, does, it does make you tough though, doesn't it? You know, if you put in a couple of years of rocking up every Saturday to, to that, I think it makes you pretty, pretty resilient. That's for
0: sure. 100%. Now, you've had quite, I, I would say, a long career and you've been in sort of that professional environment, what would you say would be like your biggest success, I guess, is probably the best way to put it?
1: Yeah, so this one came um, in 2014, which feels like a a lifetime ago now, because we're in 2021. (laughs) That's probably when I was at my best um, in the sport. So that's going back when I was um, 21, so I'm 28 now. Um, And it came... I think I found Tiger Sharks around 16, and then maybe 18, 19. Uh, I, I, I was, I got the invite from Ben to join the national squad, and in triathlon, back when I was racing, how it's how it sort of used to work, I guess, in in short course triathlon or Olympic distance was, the swim was very very important because after we came out of the water, it was draft legal, and what that means is. Um, if you're not the strongest biker, if, if you're able to draft in a pack, it can, be, it can become a lot more tactical because like the, the aerodynamic effect of sitting behind someone else or sitting in a group of riders, it might be like, and, and don't quote me on these figures, but maybe 30% easier as opposed to riding on your own and having the wind in your face. And I guess trying to, um, you, you have to push a lot more power on your own as, as opposed to just riding in a group. So it's kind of like drafting behind someone in the water. Um, but I guess the the physics of, of how that looks in the water is going to be different to on the bike. So how while, while this was a great race for me in 2014, it was the Maluba Continental Cup, and I had, um, in Continental Cup racing, that's basically um, all professional athletes that I guess want to compete um, on, on our continent, whether that's Australia, New Zealand. Occasionally, we'd get people from other regions as well but um yeah it was just professional athletes and they also had world cup but world cup was at a high level again um that was kind of like he was best triathletes but continental cup was a still a very high level and still had some athletes you know that that went on to um be some of the best australians ever had so in a way it had um, a lot of olympians in the race and a lot of people that have since gone on to be olympians whether that's for australia or not and in this race i got out of the water and i was um in contention to make that front group. And on the bike, uh, I was able to make the front group. So it was the first time I'd actually um, been in a really good position, uh, as opposed to getting out the water and being a few minutes behind um, and then riding on my own, so to speak. So yeah, and then I got off and I was running with Jake Burt Whistler and I remember this pretty clearly. And I was able to run with Jake, I'm not sure if you know him or not, but he's an amazing athlete and went to the Olympics, the COM Games silver as well. And I ran with him for about nine kilometres, out of the 10 and then he pushed away in the final K, but yeah, I came second in that race and that's probably my biggest result to date on on that level in the professional sport.
0: Yeah. Which is amazing. It's so good. Thanks Renee. (laughs) No worries. What kind of impact would you say sport has had on your life? I mean, you sort of touched on how it sort of evolved. What like overall impact do you think sport has had for you?
1: I guess, it's, it's had more of um, some characteristic type impacts on me, like I guess it's made me more disciplined, more resilient, more willing to have a crack um, in life and whether that's, you know, at work or just anything that any challenges life has thrown at you. It's, it's allowed me to look at things from a really big picture point of view and kind of see the positive in every situation. I'm a pretty happy person. And I think that sport has really allowed me to, I guess, blossom in life because of how hard I worked from a young age and some of the challenges that I had to overcome. Yeah, I I was extremely lucky though. I never had any serious setbacks or, or real major injuries. So I was pretty blessed in that regard.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's pretty easy to get injured when you're racking up so many Ks, so.
1: Mm. Yeah, I, was, I think that's I one of the lucky ones.
0: <laughs> I yeah, I like to do three questions to sort of finish with. And this first one, I think, is probably my favourite question to ask out of every question that I ask people. Um, what is something that you are most proud of about yourself?
1: I think... Just the the happy, easygoing person I am, and I'm super positive. Um, I get a lot of satisfaction in life out of seeing other people smile and making them happy, and um, I think that's probably the most proudest thing that I'm proud of, and I'm not sure whether that's come from triathlon or no, that's just what I was born with. But, um, yeah, I get a lot of satisfaction out of making other people happy in life.
0: Yeah, I, whenever I say you always have this massive smile on your face, so I can attest to that. It's 100% true. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Thanks for that. I think, um, I think that that's just how I was born, just came out with a huge smile and I can't, <laughs> can't um, take it off my face. So um, I think look, I've been given things pretty good. So um, I've been very lucky. You know? I'm, I'm, I'm not going to not acknowledge that, that, that I did have a good upbringing and I think plenty of things to smile about. 100%.
0: What is your favorite quote and or the best piece of advice that you've ever been given?
1: This one came, I think Jamie Turner's squad. So he was a at the time I think he was the coach of the New South Wales Institute of Sport and a group up in Wollongong. Um, and I think we did some sessions together at Falls Creek when I was up there with some some triathletes and also um, when I was training over in Spain with the Victorian triathlon squad as well. Um, but the quote was get comfortable with the uncomfortable. And I think it speaks a lot of volume about even when you're most uncomfortable, if you can get comfortable, <laughs> like when things are extremely tough and you're in the absolute, you know, crevices of this earth and you, you can't see a way out. If you can get comfortable being down there, you can get comfortable in, in any challenging environment in your life. So yeah, I think the more comfortable you can get in tough situations, the easier things will be.
0: Yeah, it's a good quote. I've heard it so many times, particularly in swimming. It's like it's going to be feel really uncomfortable, but you just have to deal with it. <laughs> yeah,
1: and look, and you can probably you can probably um, admit yourself that it, it might be uncomfortable the first few weeks you do it, but then after you sort of accept it and your body adapts, you get more comfortable, don't you?
0: Yeah, hundred percent. The last question I have for you is: any tips for those that are listening?
1: And I'm not sure if it's another quote or not, but I think um, I think this is something that I just sort of gathered myself was um, that every day is an opportunity to sort of show up and, and give your best effort, and it doesn't matter what what you're doing. So that's I think probably a good tip for the listeners, and hopefully they can um, take something away. Um, it doesn't matter whether that's in life, in sport, at work, with your family with your partner, with your kids. I think every day, if you acknowledge that whatever it is you're going through and as hard as times may be, if you can give your best effort and if you can chase excellence within yourself and and, and I guess those closest around you, then in my eyes, you're doing the best you can and you're doing a good job.
0: 100%. Thank you so much for coming on today and sharing your whole sporting journey with me and everything in between. I really appreciate it.
1: No problems, Renee. It was good to talk and, yeah, I appreciate you having me on.
0: No worries. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Perfectly Flawed Podcast. If you would like to stay up to date for when the next episode is being released, you can follow myself on Instagram at ReneeFox or you can follow the podcast at perfectly underscore flawed underscore podcast. I'll chat to you next time. Bye.